Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. Hi, and thanks for tuning in. I wanted to remind you of our Road to a Thousand Subscribers giveaway that we have going on our YouTube channel. If you subscribe and have a public profile, you'll be entered to win a free RX Smart Gear original jump rope. You'll get to pick the pattern of the handles, the color and weight of the cable, and you'll be getting one of the best-selling, best-performing jump ropes out there. Every time we hit a new century mark with the number of subscribers to our channel, we'll randomly select a new winner. And our friend Dave Newman is going to throw in a little something extra for each winner. So a special thanks to our sponsor, RX Smart Gear, to Dave Newman for being such a great partner, and to you for being a loyal listener. Good luck, and I hope you are our next winner. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I wanted to talk to you about our new sponsor, Element 26. They are an innovative company producing lots of products around the CrossFit, Strongman, powerlifting space. They have weightlifting belts, they have knee sleeves, they have thumb tape. Um, they have these cool little straps that go around the bars when you're um, trying to attach a bar to the rig and maybe using it for low bar work, like pull-ups for little kids or some modifications for like um, bar muscle-ups when you're trying to teach someone to do them. And you know how you wrap those rubber bands around the rig and the J hook to kind of keep everything straight? Well, they've made straps for that. And their straps kind of like the straps you use for rings. Um, they have a really secure um, system on it and you can wrap around the bar and keep that nice and secure. I love their innovation. Their, um, their product development team is top notch and they're just coming up with really um, different ideas for our space. So check them out at element26.co. That's element26.co and tell them cat singing. Sounds good. Hi. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale and I am your host. We love to do fitness, and I'm here with my friend Casey, uh, who is the 2021 CrossFit Games champion. Uh, that has a pretty nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, he is. He won the Adaptive Upper Limb Division. Is that what it's mm -hmm. technically called? Yep. Um, and so we want to talk about kind of his origin story, what got him into fitness and all those things, and kind of hear his thoughts on uh, the adaptive division at the CrossFit Games, and he is a four-time Wadapalooza champion, and Wadapalooza is just around the corner, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. All right, Casey, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so um, I want to start with your childhood. You grew up in Illinois. Yes, that's correct. Um, and you credit your parents uh, with giving you the mindset that made you successful with sports throughout your, your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would say, you know, my upbringing was pretty classic. I grew up in a really small town, um, you know, kind of the traditional Midwest, uh, type of place. Um, and yeah, I just have, you know, super, super hardworking parents to, to this day. Um, two of the hardest working people that I know, my dad's been a, a sheet metal worker his entire life. Um, so if anyone is familiar with that, it's, it's not a, uh, it's, it's no cushy, uh, job. Um, so yeah, just like super proud of, of that upbringing. And, and yeah, I would say, you know, being, being born with other than, I guess the, the one difference, uh, that I have, uh, compared to the average, uh, kid when it came to my upbringing is that I was born, uh, without the, the lower left uh, portion of my arm. So I grew up with, with one hand, um, you know, no, no idea what it was that caused it. Um, but my parents kind of just took it for what it was. And, um, you know, yeah, like, like you touched on, 
Um, I, I credit a lot of what I've been able to achieve and, and challenge myself to do in my life to, you know, the way that they, that they raised me. And, and that was that, um, you know, I wasn't allowed to use my, you know, differences as any sort of an excuse to not try to achieve the same things that anyone else should be, um, you know, trying to, trying to do. Um, I, I have two siblings and they, they raised me, you know, essentially just the same as them. And, and they expected um, the same sort of standards and effort from me when it came to um, schoolwork, athletics, whatever it is that we were involved in. Um, you know, they, they always, you know, just taught us to work as hard as we could, give it, give it as much effort as, as we could. Um, because, you know, end of the day, that was, that was going to pay off um, no matter what it was that we were doing. So, um, yeah, definitely been instilled with that work ethic my entire life. Yeah, there's something about growing up in that blue collar family. Um, like I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and my dad was a machinist. Yeah. Um, he would, you know, hot chips would come off of uh, what he was making and he'd have burn marks on his arm and yeah, it was nothing for him, you know? That's my dad. The, we have a, a joke in our family. My dad has all these, they're his work shirts and they all have holes in them. And it's, it's from that exact thing. Hot berries coming off of metal that he's working on that just burn holes into all of his shirts. And yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, I think growing up, I, I, I didn't really kind of, I don't know, have the, the perspective to know like how beneficial some of those lessons that you learn growing up like that, are, you know, would be. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've been able to kind of see more parts of the world, it makes me, you know, like even more proud and, you know, um, I don't know, I, I, I look back and see how many lessons I learned by, you know, being around those types of things and, and um, the, the benefit to learning the value of hard work and the, the value of, you know, tight family relationships and, and things like that, that you are kind of you kind of have to develop whenever you, you know, grow up like that. Yeah. There's a stick to you learn. And you might like, my parents never let me quit. Mm -hmm. you know, if I committed to something, I had to see it through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. Um, but what, what kind of amazed me when I read is that you, you were like a three sport athlete. Um, you did not let the missing the lower part of your arm affect you at all. You played football, basketball, and ran track. Yes. Yes. So that's what, correct. What, what position did you play in basketball? Um, I was, uh, I, I, I would say a shooting guard, um, co combo guard um, type player. Um, but I, I always make sure to provide the disclaimer that I, I was lucky enough to play with some extremely talented basketball players. Um, and so I have, I had two teammates that in that I played all throughout um, high school with that combined for, I don't know, like 3,700 points between the two of them. So I didn't have to do very much touching of the ball or scoring or anything like that. Um, definitely what my, what my specialty was, was defense. Um, and so I think that the work ethic and the hustle and that type of thing is, is kind of, you know, can, can all, everything that I do now and, and the things that I achieve now are all traced back to sports for me. Um, that's, that's where I developed the, you know, the mindset of, of how much, you know, hard work can, um, you know, do for you. Um, so yeah, played, played basketball, um, three year varsity letter, uh, earner in, in basketball, same with football, um, in football, I played wide receiver and defensive back. Um, again, you would, you'd think like wide receiver doesn't necessarily seem like the, uh, obvious choice for someone that only has one hand. I just figured um, you made Odell Beckham catches on every play. I, I did like, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very modest when it comes to things like that. I could, I, I could catch pretty well relative to the fact that I only had one hand and I did do a lot of just like, you know, reach out with one hand and, and snag the ball out of the air. Again, kind of same story, played with a kid who was an all-state running back, uh, you know, rushed for, I don't know, almost probably 4,000 yards in his career. And, and so we did a lot of running the ball. So I always tell people, even though I was a wide receiver, I was actually kind of more like a, an extended tackle. I did a lot of, uh, lot of blocking out there. 
Um, not as much catching of the ball, which again is totally fine. Um, defensive side was again in football kind of where my, my focus was and, and where I excelled the most. Um, I, I think because of, of maybe my um, awareness and, and knowledge and my obsession with studying the other teams that we were playing and knowing, um, you know, what their tendencies were on certain downs and things like that. Um, so like really basketball and football, what I, what I tried to do is like, you know, yeah, take, you know, I, I, I'm, I have one hand, I'm going to be at an obvious disadvantage relative to that. And that was fine. There was nothing that I was going to be able to change about that. So what could I optimize? You know, what, what could I be the absolute best at? Um, and so those things were be the hardest worker on the field and on the court, be the most, uh, be the best teammate, um, you know, never I'll always be the most supportive of my, of my, uh, my teammates, um, and try to also be the smartest and, and most aware, uh, player on the floor, on the field. Um, so because of those things, I was, I was lucky enough to, um, yeah, get a lot of playing time and, and have a, a decent amount of personal uh, and team success in a lot of the sports that I played growing up. Because you had to immerse yourself so much into the sports uh, to do that, did it give you a bigger love for fitness, exercise, and the sport itself because of that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was the one that as soon as, as soon as summertime hit, as soon as track season was over for the spring and the weight room would start opening up, for to, to start training for the upcoming fall football season. I was there every day that it was open. Uh, it didn't matter if, uh, you know, we had other, we had basketball summer tournaments or things going on. I made sure to hit the weight room. Um, and I was also the, the one that after the weight room, I was getting as many guys as I could to stick around and let's head out to the track and let's do some sprints or let's go run a couple miles or, you know, what extra, uh, we could do to, again, you know, excel as a team. Um, and, and also for me personally, again, knowing and having the awareness that I was at some obvious disadvantages, um, with the skill aspects of the sport, find ways to optimize what I could. So be in really, really great shape, get as strong as I could doing as much of the things in the weight room as I could at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that definitely, is where, you know, sports is where I got involved in the weight room. I learned about CrossFit while I was in high school. Um, I was, I was lucky enough to, um, have an athletic trainer who part-time of his day, he spent working as a CrossFit trainer at a, at a CrossFit gym that was nearby. So he kind of gave me that initial exposure to some of the CrossFit principles. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the carryover. Once I got into college, I knew that I wanted to do something related to sport in some, in some way, shape or form. And it originally started as I, I wanted to be an actual sport coach, be a football coach or basketball coach or something like that. Um, my, my first couple of years of college, I, I started spending even more time working out and, and in the weight room um, just because I, I needed something physically active to keep doing since I wasn't competing anymore. Um, and so that's, that's whenever I really, really started to immerse myself in, training principles and strength and conditioning. And I, I came back to um, kind of dabbling in some, some CrossFit while I was uh, in college. And you studied exercise science, uh, got yeah. your BS and then went back to grad school. Yes. Yep. So I, yep. As soon as I graduated with my bachelor's, I stayed, I stayed in school. Um, the, I graduated from Eastern Illinois university with my bachelor's. They had a one year graduate program for kinesiology so I stayed, worked as a, a graduate assistant in the kinesiology department, um, got to basically kind of run an adult fitness program. Um, so got kind of really immersed into some of the other aspects of fitness outside of strength and conditioning, which is where kind of my initial, you know, focus was. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much everything in my life from high school, college, and then, and then after graduating college has been related to fitness in some capacity. So, um, yeah. So what was the first thing you did after graduating, uh, from Eastern Illinois? Did you go into the fitness industry immediately? 
Yeah. So I, uh, as soon as I graduated, there was a um, CrossFit gym um, near where I uh, grew up that was looking for a part-time coach. Um, and I, so the, the graduate being, uh, finishing in August, since it was a one year, it was like fall until uh, summer. Um, I knew there was going to, it's kind of like timing weird of, of when like strength and conditioning jobs may be coming available. Cause as I said, that, that kind of was my initial goal or target. Um, so I, I saw that there was, you know, the part-time CrossFit, uh, coaching job near, nearby, you know, where I grew up. So I went and tried it out and, um, got the job just kind of working as a, a part-time CrossFit coach. Um, I worked at that gym just part-time for, I don't know, maybe six months. Um, and then another gym that was even closer to where I, where I lived and even bigger, um, was looking for a full-time head coach and manager of their CrossFit gym. So about six months after I graduated college, I, I took that position, um, man managing a CrossFit gym. And, uh, uh, it was, it was actually owned by a hospital. Um, so I was able to kind of get into a really great situation, um, working that full-time job technically as a hospital employee, um, but managing the CrossFit gym. Very cool. And how long did you stay there? Um, I was there for almost three years. Um, during, during the time that I was uh, coaching at the CrossFit gym, I was still doing a lot of, you know, additional coaching education, um, studying and learning from a lot of the great CrossFit coaches and also traditional strength and conditioning coaches or personal trainers um, and that kind of thing. I, uh, during that time, I took the um, OPEX Fitness uh, CCP coaching certificate program. Um, so o OPEX Fitness is owned by James Fitzgerald, who was the first ever CrossFit Games champion. Um, it was a, a very in-depth coaching. It's a year-long coaching education program um, that was built around individual design coaching. So I, I started to really kind of see the, the benefit of being able to work with people on an individual level. Um, so I started taking that, that coaching program, um, started working remotely with some individuals, uh, coaching, um, some were CrossFit athletes, some were just people looking for, um, general fitness and, and health and that kind of thing. Um, and so then almost three years into working for the CrossFit gym, I left, opened up my own business, uh, with, along with two of my best friends and business partners. Um, so our, our gym is called Summit Systems. Um, we do individualized uh, program design for people of all, of all backgrounds. Um, and we also do some youth small group sports performance training. So um, open the gym actually like two years ago today. Uh, actually, I think January 5th of 2020 was my very first day of, of opening our doors to, um, to our first clients. And, uh, then of course, two or three months later had our doors forcefully shut by the state of Illinois because of, uh, COVID. Um, but we were able to, you know, kind of pivot, switch to an online platform, um, maintain our, our in-person and remote clients. And when we were allowed to open back up, we were, we were still, uh, firing on all, on all cylinders. So yeah, that's, that's what I've kind of has been my, my full-time job. Uh, ever since January of 2020. Okay, so you're not you're not playing fair because those were my next notes. Talk to you about Summit Systems, Sorry. and uh, <laughs> and you're reading ahead, yeah, and and jumping down there. But yeah, so so you were what like 27 when you started Summit Systems? Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, and do you prefer the more one on one approach to the group classes? Um, I do. I do. Um, I, and, and by, and I, I loved coaching CrossFit. I, I loved working at a CrossFit gym. I loved the group environment. Um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to, you know, basically take over the reins on a CrossFit gym that was very well established. It was a, it was a 10 year affiliate at the time. Um, and they had a, you know, a really, really solid personality in the gym. Um, but for me being, you know, a professional coach, I felt like I was limited on what I could do, um, 
for each person's individual goals, as well as for what, what they're doing outside of the gym. Um, you know, when you're, when you're managing a CrossFit gym and, and we were, we had 300 members at our CrossFit gym, uh, there's not, you, you just kind of don't really have the resources. And, and I was the only full-time coach. All of our other coaches were, were part-time, um, very limited. All of them had their other full-time jobs or kids or things like that. So, um, I just, I just kind of felt handcuffed on what I, uh, no, no pun intended, uh, on, on what I could do as far as, you know, really digging into what each person needs for their lifestyle and for their background and for what their goals are and being able to coach individually has kind of opened that for me. I can, I can talk, really talk to people about their nutrition and their lifestyle and, um, you know, what's happening in their other 23 hours outside of their exercise time. Um, so to me, it, it gives me a little bit more of a rewarding feeling. Um, I can develop a little bit closer relationship with each one of my clients. Um, and, and it's also opened up the, the doors for me to, um, work with clients all over the world. Um, I, I live in a, a uh, so my, my business is in, um, Decatur, Illinois, and it's a, it's a relatively large town, but it's, it's a, uh, declining population. Um, and it's, it's certainly not the healthiest, uh, place in the world. It's a very blue collar town. It was founded around, um, industry and corn, uh, and soy processing. And so a very blue collar town that doesn't necessarily see the value in, in exercise or fitness. Um, so it's just allowed for me to increase my reach from a business standpoint and be able to work with clients, you know, all over the, all over the world. So I have I have some clients that are in the Middle East that are in the military right now. I have a client that lives in Iceland. Um, so being able to work one-on-one with people has, you know, kind of made it to where my market is a little bit wider. So that's also been, um, you know, a, a big benefit of, you know, pivoting to the one-on-one coaching um, profession. And let's not forget, Decatur is the original home of my beloved Chicago Bears. That is true. It is. The Decatur Staley's, the, the yep. one and only. And they made the right move by getting out when they did, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Chicago is yeah. a tiny bit bigger. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to finish out kind of the coaching programming kind of thing with you before we get into the athlete side. Okay. And that is that, one, you are now coaching high school football. Yes, I do. Yep. Yep. As, a, as an assistant coach. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So yes. what you kind of got into it initially for, you get a little taste of on the side of your, of your big business, you have this little side hustle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing about, you know, coaching one-on-one that's been a benefit for me is that it's allowed for me to kind of take over my, my schedule a little bit and do some of those things that I still have a passion for, but, you know, coaching high school football, isn't a full-time career. Um, and so I'm able to kind of do some of those things that I love a little bit more freely, um, you know, while, while running my, my business. So, so I got to ask, how did the relationship with underdogs come along? Yeah. Um, you know, I really, honestly, it just, it just came on, uh, came about by me trying to jump at an opportunity. Um, they underdogs, uh, several months ago uh, released, uh, just an Instagram post that they were looking for individual remote coaches. Um, and so it's kind of, uh, kind of an all call of, you know, send, come hit this email address and send in your, your information and a cover letter and someone will contact you. Um, and I, and I had followed Justin and kind of the crew that they had been developing over the last year out there. Um, you know, huge fan of, of some of the athletes that they coach, um, and so I was kind of, you know, uh, consuming some of the media that was coming out around, around them. He's, he's just a solid, solid guy. Um, kind of a, the, uh, like what you said, pretty laid back and, and I'm, I kind of connect with him pretty well. Um, so yeah, I just, I sent in my resume and a cover letter and, and said, you know, this is, this is what I do now. And this is who I am. And, um, I had a, I had a phone call with Justin and, and we talked and, um, you know, he, he felt like I would be a good addition to the team. And, and so it's kind of grown from there. Um, so it was, it was really just me saying, Hey, why not? I, I have, again, like I said, I have 
um, some flexibility over my, over my day. I have some extra time that I could be, you know, adding some other things to, um, to my resume. And I jumped at the opportunity and it's, it's been an awesome experience so far. Um, like I said, Justin is just a really, really solid guy, super cool and laid back, but also a, a phenomenal coach and is, is really developing something awesome, um, out in, in Las Vegas. And I'm excited for it to continue to grow and for my role with the team to kind of continue to expand. Yeah. Um, Justin and Ashley are two of my favorite people in CrossFit. They're so um, awesome. Love them to death. Yeah. And so I got to ask, they, they have started releasing different programs, yeah. master's level, um, com competitive team division and adaptive. Yeah. And what role do you play on the adaptive side of their online programming? Yeah. So that was, um, you know, something that Justin and I discussed in our initial conversation. And it was an idea that I presented to him and one that he had actually kind of already, he, he said he was kind of thinking about it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just suggested that knowing that they have this growing um, online template competitors program that with my experience on the adaptive side of CrossFit of, of competing as well as coaching individual athletes, uh, that, you know, maybe we take that, that competitors template program that, that he develops and, you know, let me take that and transition it into the, you know, adaptive accessible divisions and create a, a really solid adaptive competitors focused program. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's essentially what it is that, uh, the, we just, we just started and released it for the first time this week. Um, this, this week started a new cycle on the underdogs competitors program. It's the, the kind of the, the open prep cycle here, uh, getting ready for the open to start at the end of February. Um, and so, yeah, that we, I, I use the, the framework that Justin produces for the able-bodied elite competitors. And I, I transition it into the, the 10 major adaptive competitive, uh, uh divisions. Um, so that ranges from upper limb injuries, lower limb injuries, neuromuscular, um, wheelchair, sensory, short stature. Um, so there's just a wide range of, um, divisions that, that adaptive athletes can compete in. And yeah, I, I take the, that program and, and plug in what the, uh, what the adaptive variations should be. So because I'm not familiar with the adaptive programming, how yeah. much of it is a one-to-one -one relationship from the competitive programming and how much do you have to almost redo for that adaptive division? Yeah, it's, it, it's there. It, it, to answer your question, it's kind of twofold. Um, some of it is, is you can almost just take and it's, it's plug and play. Uh, it, it's, it looks almost exactly the same. Um, and it may also depend on the division. Um, so for myself, I'm an upper limb, uh, upper extremity amputee. When there's, when there's back squatting on the competitors program, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And that's what the upper limb athletes are going to do on the flip side of that. If there's back squatting in the, uh, in the competitors program, that transition that I make for someone that's a seated athlete, isn't going to be back squatting, obviously. Um, so we would transition that to a primary strength movement for them, something like a bench press or a, a barbell row or some other primary strength piece that a seated athlete needs to be very proficient in. Um, so a lot of it can, can look pretty, the same, pretty much the same with some minor variations. Um, the, the, without having to sit here and list every single every single one. Cause like I said, there's, there's 10 divisions that I haven't broken down into. Um, even within a, a kind of overarching division, there can be some pretty big differences. So upper limb is actually broken into two sections. We have what's called upper one and upper two upper one is someone that's a one point of attachment. So that would be someone who has an amputation that is high on their arm where they basically don't have any other way to a, a connect or attach to a barbell or a pull-up bar they are considered upper one. I'm upper two because I have a lot of my, I have my bicep, I have an elbow joint and I'm able to use straps or other different uh, modifications 
to use two points of contact on a barbell. So I'm considered upper two. Um, and all of the divisions are kind of broken down into these kind of more specific and, and, uh, finer, um, uh, more, you know, more specific divisions. Um, so there's going to be some variation in, in some of those things. Um, but you know, we, uh, underdogs posted a pretty good example the other day of a very like open esque uh, workout. It was a 14 minute AMRAP with some rowing, some wall ball shots, uh, some toes to bar, some deadlift and ring muscle ups. So for my division, it was all things that a two point of attachment, uh, upper limb athlete could do, um, uh, except for the ring muscle ups that gets changed to a bar muscle up. Um, because at the, at this point, the competitive standard for someone who's able to, you know, put two points of attachment on a pull-up bar, there's enough athletes that are doing bar muscle ups that have an amputation, um, just below the elbow that that's at the most competitive level that's appropriate for us. Whereas a one point of attachment for a pull-up variation, they're not going to do a, a bar muscle up. They're going to have some other variation that's more specific for, for them. So, um, yeah, kind of a very uh, lengthy answer to say some of it looks exactly the same. Some of it is is totally different. It kind of just depends on what it is. So as an adaptive athlete, is this the first kind of programming of its kind in the space or? Um... Um, yeah, there, 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 there are some other programs out there um, and uh, not very many, not very many at all. And and the reason for that is is kind of just what I explained and that there's so much variation in what you can see. Um, so when it all comes down to it, the best option for an adaptive athlete is an individualized program. And, and that's just the fact of the matter um, because of the uniqueness of every single one. Um, and, and that's also why the adaptive competitive divisions have been kind of slow to develop and grow. And it's why it took the CrossFit games as many years as it did to be, to, to even include it um, because there's so much diversity and because it just took enough participation uh, of enough athletes to be able to kind of refine these divisions and create some sort of set of standards of what is to be expected within each one. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's some other programs out there. There's that, that are, you know, putting out workouts for the various adaptive divisions. I would say this is the first one that we are really, really saying and focusing and saying that the, the, the purpose of this program is to help an adaptive competitor develop as an athlete, not this is kind of like a broad general physical preparation program for the various adaptive divisions. And that's been, that's been the focus for Justin um, and, and the vision of underdogs athletics is that it is a competitors focused program. And there's no shame in saying that. Um, are there a ton of CrossFitters or, or fitness enthusiasts out there that just need general physical preparedness? Absolutely. Um, and are there programs out there for those people? Absolutely. But the focus for underdogs up to this point has been to develop athletes and develop, to develop, um, competition readiness. And that's, that's what the focus of the adaptive competitors program is. And it's, it is probably some of the most challenging adaptive programming that, that some of the athletes have ever seen it, for, for those that are um, beginning to do the program this week. So do you have coaches available for people who sign up for this program that may need like a little further, um, modification to a workout, uh, to help those adaptive athletes? Yes. Yes. And, and that's, that was also one of the, um, goals for Justin in, in bringing me on with my experience in the adaptive divisions and with the, the recent inclusion of the adaptive divisions into the CrossFit games is the awareness that there are going to be people and athletes that are, you know, that are, that fit into these adaptive categories that now that it's an option at the CrossFit games, they're going to be looking for some more specific coaching because they're saying, Hey, there's something for me to do now. I can, I can go compete at the CrossFit games. Maybe now I need some coaching, um, you know, just the same way that, you know, Danielle Brandon and, and Carrie Pierce needed some individual coaching to reach their highest potential. Um, and so that, that is another aspect of what I'm doing for underdogs athletics is, 
coaching individual athletes and being a specific um, contact for if they do have someone inquire for individualized coaching uh, that is an adaptive athlete, Justin can send them to me with that being kind of my field of expertise um, to, you know, if someone is wanting some one-on-one coaching, they can come to me and, and I can provide that. Um, in addition to that, for the people who are jumping on the template programming, um, all those people, I've, as I see them signing up and, and starting to put some of their scores into the leaderboard, I've been reaching out to every single one of them and saying, hey, glad to see you on the program. If you have any questions, here's my contact information. I'm happy to help because of, again, my, my knowledge of knowing that there is so much diversity that it is almost impossible to write a perfect, a perfect program that hits every single, you know, every single possibility of who might sign up for it. Um, so even, like I said, even within some of the divisions that we have created as, as specifically as I can possibly create that template program, there may still be some variation. And so I've reached out to every single one of those people that have, that have started to sign up and, and just offered my, um, you know, my recommendations, if they have anything specifically that, that they need to uh, modify or adapt for whatever their specific situation is. I love how you put that with the people that now see the opportunity because we had Amy Bream on um, late December and yeah. she never CrossFitted until she knew that it was a, a way to get to the CrossFit games Absolutely, because they, there was nothing for her to yeah. compete in before that. Yeah. Yeah. Other than there Wadapalooza has been around for a while with the adaptive division. Um, there's the wheel wad games There's the working wounded games. So there's some other smaller ones and, and, um, they've, they've all gained steam and, and grown, um, to be, you know, really, really solid competitions, but we all know that the CrossFit games is the gold standard. Um, and, and it's, it's the one that everyone's kind of been waiting for. And so, you know, with that, the, the, uh, need for coaches to be ready to, to train adaptive athletes is going to increase as well. And so that's, that's where underdogs kind of wanted to jump on the opportunity to, um, you know, have that available. And overarching, you know, she ended up on an ESPN commercial. Yeah. Tia Toomey didn't. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, and you know? It, it's going to be, um, you know, and if you talk to a lot of adaptive athletes, um, there's, there's kind of these jokes about how we're kind of used for, for lack of a better term, we're used as inspiration porn a little bit. Um, and, and like, you know, you understand it, you get it. You, when you see someone like Amy who only has one leg and you see her, uh, you know, doing some of the things that she does, or you see someone like Logan Aldridge, um, who, you know, had an injury and, and only has one arm and you see him doing a 225 pound clean and jerk with literally only one hand on the bar. You're like, yeah, you get why, why there's that inspiration. And so, you know, if, if the inclusion of the adaptive divisions into the CrossFit game games gets some people that are, you know, that are, have been in a wheelchair their whole life that have never really felt like they can go into a gym and, and exercise and improve their health, then, then great. You know, it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same thing that, that has happened with the CrossFit games. When the CrossFit games started and began to blow up, there's people who walked into a CrossFit gym for the first time because they saw Rich Froning. And those people might, may never go on to compete in even a local competition, but it got them through the door. It got them thinking about their health. They got them seeing something that looked different from an exercise standpoint than anything else they had ever thought was available. Um, so, you know, that, that can, that has the potential to be hugely beneficial for so many people who, um, you know, maybe never thought that there was something available for them to do because they were different from the, the norm. Yeah. So cool. So let's talk about you, your inspiration porn, um, <laughs> as an athlete. Sure. Um, what, what, what was the point in your life that you knew that fitnessing fast was going to be something you were good at? Um, well, you know, I, 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 like I said, I started, I, I started getting back into CrossFit when I was in college. Um, after I was done with, with high school sports, I was kind of, I, for a while I did the, the 5k run thing, 
Um, I have a, when in high school track, I was a middle to long distance runner. Um, so I had kind of that running background. I dabbled in some of that, that stuff just as something to do. Um, I started getting into bodybuilding a little bit, um, and started developing some of these adaptations and modifications to be able to do, you know, exercise with both sides of my body that I hadn't really, you know, been able to develop when I was in high school in the weight room. Um, and so a couple of years of doing some of that stuff started getting a little bit bored with it. Um, one of my really good friends who is now a, a business partner, um, started kind of dabbling with CrossFit again a little bit. Um, like I said, I had a little bit of previous knowledge with it and, and just kind of started doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. Once I started learning how to do some of the more complex movements, um, and finding out some of the, the modifications and adaptations that I, that I needed to do to be able to, to do them correctly. Um, and yeah, there was about a year, year and a half, or maybe even two years there where I was just kind of doing it and training like an, like an athlete, um, for the sake of it and didn't really know that there was anything available for me to do competition wise. Um, and you know, I, I, I saw the potential for it. And I kind of just said, you know, I'm going to train like this just for the sake of it. And cause I enjoy doing it and, and it challenges me, um, and kind of gives me that little, that little competitive, um, you know, taste that I, that I enjoy so much from being an athlete growing up. Um, and, and then Wadapalooza became available and I, I saw some other athletes in, in 2016, um, Logan Aldridge and Derek Carver and Derek Wada and, um, other adaptive athletes competed in it. And I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I can do. Um, so I really, I really started to push and, and start to, again, train like an athlete, um, having no idea how good I was going to be, but I did know that kind of some of the background that I had as an athlete, having that aerobic base of being a, a long distance runner was a huge benefit for me. I was coming in with, you know, a huge aerobic foundation and, and baseline. Um, and that time that I spent basically doing bodybuilding, I developed a, a good amount of foundational strength. And so I did the Wadapalooza adaptive qualifier for the first time in the fall of 2017. Um, won all of the workouts in, in that went to Wadapalooza in January, or sorry, I guess it would have been fall of 2016, went to Wadapalooza in January of 2017, uh, won, won the adaptive division in that. And from there, it's, it's kind of just taken off for me. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I've been able to really refine my own training, um, learn what works best for me. Um, and one and, and, competed at, at the highest level in pretty much everything that's been available for an adaptive athlete up to this point. So I don't know, I, I guess to answer your question of like, when did I know that this was something that I could be good at, uh, really take off? I, I guess it was probably that first, that first Wadapalooza when I was, I, I showed up and, and it was very small. Then there was only four people in, in my division, um, who were, were solid athletes and, you know, I was able to win every event that the, that, that we were allowed to do in the competition at that point, which I believe was, you know, only four or five workouts over the course of, of two or three days. Um, so, so yeah, maybe, maybe it was then and, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I enjoy training just for the sake of training. I enjoy challenging myself just for the sake of it. And so to have a, a, a competition outlet to do, um, is kind of just the icing on top. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time and I, I tell, um, athletes that, you know, you really, to be able to do this for a long time and to do it at the highest levels, you have to step back and ask yourself, are, would you be willing to do some of these things if the competition didn't exist? And, and for some people, the answer is no, and, and that's okay. Um, but I think you can get so much more out of it if you'd be willing to train like this some days, even if there wasn't something you know, at the, at the end of the road, you know, can, can you, um, honor and take value in maximal self-expression of, of fitness just for the sake of it. Um, and, and for me, that's always been the case. And so I think that's why I've been able to 
stick around doing it now for, you know, five years. Um, because especially for the adaptives, uh, it's, it's not been up until the CrossFit games. It's not really been something that you could do and make any money. So that couldn't have been a motivator for anybody up to this point. Um, because, you know, up, up until the CrossFit games, uh, last year, every competition I've ever done has been more expensive than, than has been the, the, the first place prize money that I got. Um, which is, which is fine. It's just, it's just the way that things are. Um, there, there just hasn't been the exposure for adaptive athletes to, you know, make a lot of prize money by, by competing in CrossFit. Um, and so, so that's fine. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of ranting a little bit here now, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that for me, it's just kind of continued to be something that I enjoy doing that I can challenge myself personally and, and, um, continue to grow as an athlete and as a coach, um, because there are, there are those competitions that, that I can do and, and kind of you as use as my, um, you know, my self-assessment on, am I still improving? So are you going to Wadapalooza this year? Yes, I am. This will be, this will be, be year, year five. Yeah. Defending your four year in a row title. That's right. Yep. That's right. right. That's, that's, that's the hopes. That's the goals. along with, uh, you know, this year also year two of, of the CrossFit games with the open starting here in just, you know, a month, month and a half, basically. We'll get to that in just one second, but this is my first year going to Wadapalooza. Okay. So what is your one recommendation of something I should do while I'm there? Mm, You have to go to the salty donut. It's okay. they're they're world famous. It's it's Noah Olson's favorite donut place, and if you love donuts, they are literally the best donuts that you will ever have in your life. All right, I love it. <laughs> I, I as a competitor, as an athlete, unfortunately, at least at least for me and my my experience, it's really hard to get away and enjoy Miami outside of, of competition. And, you know, maybe that's just the way that I approach competition in between my events. I really need to, and and like to get away from the craziness and, you know, go back to my room and turn the lights down and just relax. So I've never been to Wadapalooza outside of being a competitor. Um, I, I've, I always say that once I'm done competing, I definitely will go as a spectator, hopefully as a coach, um, and, and kind of be able to enjoy, uh, the, the experience of it because it's, it it is fun. Even as an athlete, it's, it's always been a super fun experience for me. Um, so yeah, that, that's the one thing that myself and my wife and the people that have traveled with me before down there, we always make sure that we go to the salty donut before we leave because their donuts are amazing. Awesome. Well, I'm actually just a little so self-promotion. I'll be there uh, doing the podcast live nice. uh, on their podcast stage. So yeah, yeah. Um, so it's going to be pretty, I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, yeah. Because who doesn't it, like to go to Miami in January? Exactly. Yeah. We, especially, you know, like for me in Illinois right now, it's been icy and snowy and cold. And so it's a nice few days of uh, getting to enjoy some, some beautiful weather and, and getting to you know, see, uh, you know, a lot of friends and, and people that I've developed relationships, uh, you know, having competed in, in it for, you know, like I said, for my fifth year now. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it is truly that, you know, it's, it's the, it is a fitness festival and it, it really truly is. It's such a, a fun experience and it's, it's such a great time. And, um, yeah, I think, I think for people that go there as spectators, it's, it's like a party the whole time, pretty much. Yeah. And you, and you get to see, some awesome fitness while you're there. So yeah, it, it's, it's one of the most fun competitions that, that I get to do in my year. Yeah. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. So we get your weather yeah. a day later. Exactly. Yep. You're right. You're right behind me. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to wrap this up with, with the games. Sure. Um, this was last year was the first year that we had a, an adaptive division. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get your perspective on how you think the games did in its first year with the adaptive division. 
Yeah, I think, um, and, and there's, I think every competition organizer, uh, and, and I've, I've organized and, and overseen competitions, smaller throwdowns um, in, in my past. So I kind of have a little bit of experience with it. Uh, definitely not on the scale of the CrossFit games, but I think every uh, competition organizer, when they get done, if you don't have things that you would have improved on, then you're not doing it right. Um, so I, I think it would be crazy to say that it was, you know, perfect. Um, but again, with the knowledge of, or kind of the understanding that it is so challenging to put on a truly competitive, um, adaptive competition, um, you know, knowing that I think that they did a really, really great job of, you know, programming events that were able to display the athletes and, and showcase the athletes, but also challenge the athletes and allow for, you know, everyone that was there to express their, their potential at a really, really high level. I think that they're, I think that they're really getting close to being able to do that. Um, and I think that that still is going to take some refinement in the divisions and who qualifies and, um, kind of breaking down the divisions a little bit more so that athletes can really, really express what they're capable of without it being unfair to anyone. Um, definitely what's going to have to happen in the future is that it's going to have to expand and allow for every division to participate, um, for the first year and for this year the only divisions that were allowed to compete at the CrossFit games were the upper limb, the lower limb and the neuromuscular. Um, I think that that's been that they've been limited on how many people they can have participating. I think that they are also probably limited on the venue and who, the accessibility that the Alliant energy center has um, for the vast array of athletes that they want to eventually um have allowed to participate and that's why i think um this will probably be the last year that the crossfit games are in madison i think that they're going to have to find a venue that's more accessible um, to be able to have competitors and athletes that are in wheelchairs um, for it to make sense for those athletes to be able to compete at a high level um, they're going to have to find ways to um, you know, make it, make it a little bit more accessible. Um, but with all those factors, um, for me as an athlete, I felt like I was, I was tested. Um, I was able to really express my fitness at a very, very high level. Um, and the athletes that, that I got to compete against were, were extremely, extremely fit. And, um, so I, to, to me, it was, it was an amazing experience as an athlete. Um, and also getting to coach an athlete that was competing there, um, in the adaptive divisions. Um, awesome. It was for, for the first year for it being a tough year with all the question marks and potential limitations of COVID and, and, and all the things that come with that, the, the, the unknown of what that is going or how much that's going to affect the competition. Um, it, I thought, I thought they did an awesome job. Um, and I, I think that it really, really year one, I think really set the stage for growth in the future. And they're already starting to take those steps. They're expanding the qualification process for the adaptive divisions. Um, I, I think, and, and I know the people who are in charge of the adaptive divisions, I think that they're really working hard to refine the, um, qualification process and refine the, um, uh, division standards, uh, for, for each division to make sure that, you know, in the future, they're going to be able to find the fittest person in each division and not just the least disabled. Um, I think that's ultimately always the goal of an adaptive division is, um, at the end of the weekend, knowing that the person that's standing on top of the podium is the fittest athlete with said adaptation, not just the least disabled person in that division. Um, and, and that's, that's a fine line to walk, um, in making sure that you're allowing for the athletes to showcase themselves and express their fitness at a high level. 
um, without it just being, um, you know, simple, easy movements. You're really testing the skill and the strength and the capacity that each athlete has and kind of um, nullifying any differences that those divisions may have within them. So I want to finish up with, with this is, you know, I, I read somewhere that you actually did the open and the quarterfinals both ways, both in the adaptive division written for the adaptive, your adaptive division. And you did it RX. Yes. With, with small modifications. Yes. Is it just because you have a touch of crazy or, (laughs) um, or what was there another reason why you wanted to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it probably is a little bit of that. I will admit to that. Um, at the time that the open happened, there was, there was no for sure, um, that there, there was at the time that the open happened, we didn't think that there was going to be anything for adaptive divisions beyond the open. Um, it was originally presented as for the first year of including the adaptive divisions in the CrossFit game season, that the open was kind of just the, that 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 was going to be it. It was going to be to, kind of initially introduce these divisions and allow for CrossFit to get some, um, you know, metrics on how much participation they were going to get, how they could break it down into the different competitive divisions. Um, and so knowing that I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll do the adaptive divisions to participate and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. But also I wanted to be able to challenge myself as an athlete and see how far I could go in the qualification process, knowing that CrossFit was kind of introducing this kind of new format with the quarterfinals and semifinals and then the games. Um, So knowing that there was kind of that second tier after the open for um, a large amount of people to, um, you know, be able to participate in, I said, why not? It's, it's two workouts a weekend. I would be working out that often in that four day span anyways. Yeah. Um, I said, let's, let's go ahead and give it a go. Like you said, I was able to qualify, um, for the quarterfinals that kind of that second stage in the, um, open competitive, uh, divisions. And you finished like 1200 in the quarterfinals. I think so. I'll take your word for it. I, that sounds right. Um, in North America, so not, not in the world In, in North America, um, yeah. So, something like that. I, I had <laughs> one of the workouts for me was kind of a, kind of a softball where I was able to put up a really, really solid score in one of the workouts. I think I took, I don't know, 135th in, in North America, um, in the, the pistol GHD rope climb workout pistols and GHDs are probably my two best movements. I think I can compete with the best of them on those two movements. So I was able to do pretty well in that. Also the front squat for rep max, I'm a pretty good squatter. So I was able to put up a decent score in that and then kind of just survive other than that. Um, so yeah, did performed fairly well. Um, not anywhere near being able to make that, that next, uh, that next level as a, as a semifinal qualifier, but, um, yeah, I was able to give it, give it my best go. Yeah. And I loved how you adapted the wall walks. Yeah. So that, to explain, explain to the listeners how you did that. That, that was one of the toughest ones. Um, and I was, <laughs> I, I've done wall walks in many different variations before. Um, that, that being one of them. Um, but with the standards of the tape lines, that definitely kind of threw um, a little bit of a, of a wrench for me. And I just, again, with, with pretty much everything else that, that I've done in CrossFit in the past, just kind of had to figure it out. Um, yeah. So I basically just to be able to do the wall walks, um, stacked up bumper plates kind of in a row, um, on my left side to where I could kind of just start in this, this like push up position with my left arm up on those, those plate stacks. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, press up into a push up walk myself back. I, I do handstand pushups like that. I, I can stack plates up on my left side, kick up into a handstand and do handstand pushups. Um, and so then from there, it was just kind of figuring out how to 
make sure that I was hitting the standard with the two tape lines um, on each rep, where as I walked out, I kind of had to reach a little bit further with my left arm to be able to tap that tape line. And then on my walk up to the wall, just making sure that I had that tape line kind of up and over the, the stack of bumper plates that I had to be able to tap that and then kind of just uh, uh, gracefully fall back down to that, that starting position. <laughs> and, and you ended up doing, I think, 37 wall walks. That sounds right. Yeah, I think I was into the, I was three reps into the round of 21. So yeah, whatever that, whatever that math is, I think it was like one, three, six, nine, 15. Um, and then yeah, three reps into that round of 21 there at the end. So yeah. So impressive. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I, um, it's been an awesome chat with you, but Thanks. for those of the, for our listeners, we are recording this on the day after Dave Castro was let go from CrossFit. Um, it, I think just about 12 hours ago, the news broke yeah. that he was let go of CrossFit. And I, it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you your take on that. Um, <laughs> I have a, probably an interesting uh, perspective on Dave. Um, uh, first off, just from, uh, from the standpoint of kind of how I see the way that he's always approached organizing the CrossFit games. I think that it's going to be very, very hard for CrossFit to, um, you know, match that. Do they have an excellent team around him? And, and that's, that's kind of still there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so do I still think that they'll be able to put on a, a great event and a great uh, test of fitness and, and truly be able to crown the fittest on earth without him? I think that they will. Um, I will really be interested to see how Justin Berg takes on that role. Um, it's, it's going to be, I think a huge challenge for him and, you know, maybe they are setting him up for some failure. Um, I don't know. Um, Dave, <laughs> Dave blocked me on Instagram a couple years ago. So I have, <laughs> I have it, like I said, an interesting outlook on, on Dave why I was blocked on Instagram by Dave Castro. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that I was critical of some of the comments that he made on Patrick Vellner after, after one of those documentaries came out that, that Vellner was uh, pretty critical of kind of the, the cutting process. And, and Dave was posting some videos on his Instagram of, of Patrick and kind of directly calling him out. And I think I made a comment on one of Dave's, Instagram post that was pretty critical of him being the director of the CrossFit games, individually calling out athletes. I was, I didn't think that that was very classy. Um, but Dave's that's just kind of the type of person that Dave is. He's very abrasive and he's willing to just kind of speak his mind, which on the flip side is probably one of the reasons that he's been able to be so successful in, um, you know, being the director of the CrossFit games for so long and why they've been able to grow it to such a, such a huge event and such a huge spectacle for athletes. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough for them. I was honestly, even given the fact that Dave, uh, Dave blocked me on Instagram. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like, Oh no, this is, this is not a good thing, but um, you know, I'm, I'm always optimistic. Um, and I will certainly give the CrossFit games their chance and, and, um, you know, be willing to, uh, you know, again, kind of participate in as much as they'll allow me to do. Um, and, and I'll be pulling for them because I, I love CrossFit. It's, it's obviously done great things for me in both my, um, personal life and in, in my career. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully things continue to just, uh, grow and develop as they would have either way. Yeah. Uh, my sentiments, exactly. I want it to grow and I hope that this is a good move. Um, and that CrossFit, um, does what they need to do to keep growing the sport. Yeah. Well, with that Casey, it's been an awesome hour chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, good luck it. next week in Wadapalooza or this will be Thank out you. actually the week of Wadapalooza. Awesome. Um, good timing. And so, yeah. I uh, will wish you luck on the fifth straight title and Thank hopefully you. we'll see you there. I appreciate it. Yeah. If you, if you see me, 
holler at me. I'm easy to find. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.